Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag Utah Jazz. Clarkson drives, got the baseline clear, kicks to Ingles, left corner three, another for Joe! Holy cow, Joe Ingles, how do you do it? Four for five from three to start the night. Driving, pull Rudy, block shot, that's number nine. Rudy's new career high blocks. Rudy Gobert has nine block shots, will we get a triple-double, fans? Don works off the left-hand dribble. Off Rudy, lobs to Rudy, slam dunk Rudy! Donovan with a dime! So that was when the Jazz played the Bulls, which was on March 22nd, not too long ago, and they had no problem. They went into Chicago and won easily. Now they're looking to do the same at home tonight. The Jazz and the Bulls, and then they've got the Orlando Magic tomorrow. When you look at these two games... Should be ones that the Jazz should be able to win, right? The Bulls are 19 and 27, and Orlando is 17 and 31. Both of those ball clubs are on the outside of the playoffs, of course, because those records stink. And <laughs> no other way to say it. So, uh, what am I expecting of the Jazz tonight? I'm expecting them to go to 37 and 11. What am I expecting them to do tomorrow? I'm expecting them to go to 38 and 11. That's the way I see it. And I think that's the way most of us see it, if not all of us see it. Tonight's game, uh, the Jazz pregame, will begin right here on the Zone Sports Network with Jake Scott and Tim Lacombe at 6 o'clock. Both contests tonight and tomorrow, 7 o'clock. Should be fun times for those of you who are able to come into the arena. What are they up there? Over, over 5,000 yep, now, north aren't 5,000 now, yep. Yeah. So, for you who are fortunate enough to have tickets, come on down downtown. Find yourself to get time to get something to eat. And then go over and watch what we all expect to be W. So it should be a grand night, a glorious night. Two nights, actually, for Jazz fans, as we expect the Jazz to roll. I haven't heard, but I'm assuming Donovan Mitchell will come back from his issue as far as the uh, not flying on the team plane after the second attempt to uh, get to Memphis the other night. I, I guess he'll talk about it. I'm not sure. Whatever the situation is, that's what it is as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so I expect him to be able to play uh, two home games and then they go to Dallas and then Phoenix, a couple of road games. I'm expecting him to be involved in that. I know there was some April Fool stuff out there that uh, had tweets saying that he was not going to play road games the rest of the year. I assume that's not going to be the case. Uh, but whatever he's dealing with there, he's going to have to deal with it get him help or whatever needs to be done have it be done so there you go jazz tonight against the bulls you can hear all the action right here live on the zone sports network hashtag nba aldridge right of the lane holds high now bounces low gives for irving they pick him up and he'll fire it away anyway and hits a three and back out to butler on the right side now jimmy brings it up top jimmy's going to go to the basket in Got it to go and fouled by Oubre in a chance for a three-point play. Trey goes behind the pick. Trey drives down the lane. He lays it up and in. Nobody guarded him. He went in and laid it in, and the Hawks lead by six, and Popovich needs another timeout. Green wrap around down low to Millsap. East quadruple team kick out three. Murray, and he knocked it home. I'm sorry that people seen uh, that language I use. It's not really what I want people to see and hear from me, but... Um, Hopefully I can move past it and get back out on the floor. Sure, you can move past it, Kevin Durant. You're Kevin Durant. (laughs) Rules the rules, right? Some guys guys have different rules, and if you're good, you have other rules. So, yeah, the language that he used, eh, well, some spat with a comedian. I don't understand what the point of it was. I didn't honestly, uh, to tell you the truth there, I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to it. Uh, but the apology, and I heard it, went back and looked forward, uh, looked past on it, and saw what it was about. And, wow, what are we doing here? But they'll just leave it at that. Whatever it is, they thinking some guys can get away with stuff and others can't. That's the way it's always going to be. 
As far as on the floor, the Nuggets beat the Clippers. Nice win for them, man. They're rolling a little bit here. Everything is bunched up as far as the middle of the Western Conference goes. You know, the, the Jazz are three games over the Suns, and then the Suns are a game and a half over the Clippers, or actually two and a half games over the Clippers. And so uh, the Clippers are 32 and 18. The Lakers are 30 and 18. Denver is coming on strong. They are also 30 and 18. And then Portland is just a half game back of those guys at 29 and 18. So there could be a lot of jumbling going on there as we get forward. The Denver Nuggets have won four in a row. They are eight and two in their last ten. They're undefeated. I think they played three three games with Gordon. They put him in the starting lineup and moved Millsap to the bench. Millsap's days as a starter and as a productive big time player are over. I think he'd probably only have what I don't know what his contract is, but maybe a year or two left to go. Uh, and uh, Aaron Gordon is filling a need for them. I don't think he's a great individual player, but I think that the team needed somebody that he, like him, and he is filling it in for what they need. And they go to Los Angeles and get a nice victory over your Los Angeles Clippers, right? Yeah. So we'll see what the Clippers can do here. Uh, Rajon Rondo has not joined them yet. Interesting. I'm interested to see how that's all going to play out there because there's some big teams there, big, big talented teams, and Denver seems to be hitting their stride, so I would put them in that category. That's second round in the NBA playoffs. There are going to be some pretty good teams going home, and that's the way it should be, right? Make it mean something. Uh, the Nets won. Harden's out, but they continue to roll. Aldridge, they slid him into the starting lineup. And he played well. And that was just against the Hornets. Hornets don't have ball. He's out. And that's, that's a big blow to them. Obviously, he was the, going to be rookie of the year and was playing very, very well. Uh, Spurs. Spurs sliding. Hawks get them in a double overtime. They also had the Magic and Pelicans in overtime, if you're interested in that. Magic won that game. They come here tomorrow. That's the only reason why I was interested in that game. Uh, he beat the Warriors. Uh, Warriors... Hmm. Kind of muddling around there right now. They're out of the playoffs. Uh, I suspect uh, two games under 500. I don't know that they're going to get in. San Antonio is in a little bit of free fall, as I said. So uh, where are they going to finish? Can they hold on to that eighth spot? That's two games above 500. Now that's interesting as it pertains to the Jazz down at the bottom of the standings there to see who can end up uh, playing, assuming the Jazz hold on to the number one spot, which we all think they're going to do, who is their first round opponent? I couldn't tell you right now. I don't know. There's teams there that are jumbled up, and then they've got that playoff, or play into the playoff, I call it. And so we'll have to see what happens. That's We're probably not going to know that, right? Not have an idea, anyway, right down to the end. Obviously, with the play in, we won't know it until those games are accomplished and over with. But I can't really say which team I favor as far which teams I favor as far as getting in there. Need some more time. And we've got about uh, five, six weeks to go before we get to that point. All right, that's here. That's your NBA right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Hashtag college basketball. It's been a thrill. It has been unbelievable. I've loved it. It's coaching. And that's all I've ever wanted to do since the summer after my ninth grade year in high school. No one has ever enjoyed coaching like I have. Everybody wants to know the reason, and the reason is very simple. Every time somebody asked me how long I was going to go, I would always say, as long as my health allows me to do it. But deep down inside, I knew that the only thing that would speed that up if I did not feel that I was any longer the right man for the job. I'm not going to say the best man because I never thought I was the best at anything. But 15 years at Kansas, I thought I was the right man. And this time at North Carolina, I thought I was the right man. I no longer feel that I am the right man for the job. Yeah, that's Roy Williams, man. Laying it out there. I listened to that yesterday afternoon. Uh, I thought he said it, uh, told it like it is, I guess. He doesn't feel he's the right man for the job. He's 70 years old. The time comes for everybody, right? Unless you die on the job. So he's 70 years old, getting out. Time's running out when you're 70. It's just the way it is. It's the way it was set up, the way it's set up to be. Go ahead and step down. Somebody else will get in there, and you can 
however much time you have left, go ahead and enjoy it, Roy. That's a long time. You talked to coached at two premier institutions, and that's cool. He said that summer after his ninth grade year in high school, he knew what he wanted to do, and he went there and did it. It's like me when I first heard talk radio and sports talk radio in the early 80s. I thought, man, I would love to do that. And here I am getting to do it. It's awesome. It'll come a time for me, and I'm sure I'll, it will be bittersweet like it is for everybody. I was thinking about this, man. you got to put North Carolina's men's basketball. That job's got to rank right there with any job in college basketball. I don't know if there's any job better. There may be jobs that are just as good but better. I can't imagine that there's any jobs better. We were thinking of that guy who coached uh, after Dean Smith stepped down. Yak, it just came to me. Bill Guthridge took over. That's who it was, yep. (laughs) And then I think they had Doherty, and uh, then they ended up with Roy Williams here as when he came home from Kansas uh, and took that job because that's where he left to go to Kansas from was uh, North Carolina, and he was there for a good long while. And so it'll be interesting to see. Do they stay in the so-called Tower Hill family or they go outside? There's no overwhelmingly obvious candidate. Like Roy Williams was the overwhelmingly obvious candidate when he took the job. But I don't think there's anybody who just screams, you've got to go in that direction. Hubert Davis is on the staff, and they've been saying he's a leading candidate, but... I would think that they'd pretty much be able to get anybody they want. So yeah, this we'll is take a, this is a top three job in all in all college basketball. You can get whoever yeah. you want. Yeah. So I'd put uh, Kentucky there. Uh, you know Gonzaga. Uh, I don't think Mark Few has a shot at leaving or is interested at at all leaving. But Mark Few has built that place and just to a beast. And speaking of that. They're playing tomorrow in the Final Four. Uh, first up, you got Houston and Baylor. That's at uh, 314. And then after that, uh, they need half hour, 45 minutes, whatever they do before the next game. You see Los Angeles at the Pac-12 versus the West Coast Conference. That should schedule to be around a little after 630. Uh, and you can listen to both of those games right here on the Zone Sports Network. So I'm excited for that second game. The first game... I don't. I mean, I'll watch it, but I don't. Not really intrigued by it. Whoever wins, wins. My guess is Baylor wins, but I can't say that for sure. I still, and I think Gonzaga will win. We'll have Ken Pomeroy coming up at 8:30 and get his numbers take on this game, and see what he thinks about both of these teams as far as that goes. And I'm excited to see Gonzaga finish it off. I think they can. I think their their lineup is just that good. I saw a thing where Suggs was saying he may come back for a year. Did you see that, Yak? I saw that, but I don't believe that for a second. I, yeah, I mean, he's a top five pick. Exactly. He's going to make a lot of money. If he comes back for another year, I would be literally stunned. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that was some April Fool's or what was going on there. Uh, and why would he make that decision now? Uh, sure, his game, every one of these kids can use more seasoning in their games, but when that money's on the table and you're going to be picked that high, I think you got to go. So I'm very intrigued now going forward here. Can Gonzaga pull it off? I think they can. I think they go undefeated and get the job done uh, as far as that goes. And so excited to see that game and uh, tomorrow night. College basketball right here, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Hashtag NFL. I talked to him last week. I know things are going well. I don't want to put an exact timeline on it right now because I don't want to set expectations one way or the other, but uh, I know that things are going very well. That's your general manager of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Jason Light, on Tom Brady's knee surgery, saying things are going well. Uh, they made it sound like it was a minor surgical procedure, so I expect him to be fine. Something's going on with the Chargers still hard for me to call them the Los Angeles Chargers, but I can since it's written right in front of me here on the rundown that Yak puts together. Dean Spanos' sister petitioning in the California court to put one-third of the team's ownership stake up for a sale, contending that mounting debt from the franchise is creating an estimated yearly loss of at least $11 million for the family trust, man. Uh, 
You know, I talk about how opening day are the best two words in sports. <laughs> how about family trust? I was say, is family trust up there? Boy, would I love to have a family trust. I ain't got no family trust. <laughs> Gordon makes fun of both. me because I talk about my father being a janitor. Uh, he dropped out of high school. And Irish back in back east. Now, that's my grandfather. Irish need not apply. I know we all like to play the victim, but uh, my grandfather had to go through that. And the job you can get was walking the beat as a cop. And guess what job he had? Walking the beat as a cop. Uh, my Sioux sisters, they fought over the opportunity to get the club that my grandfather had. Not a trust. There's no money involved. But each of them wanted that as an heirloom because they, unlike me, because my, my Irish grandfather died when I was like two years old, and they're older, they're way older than me, and they had a relationship with him. I had none. I do not remember it at all. Uh, so that club that he would carry meant something to them because they used to go, both my parents worked my entire life, and so they used to go home after school to my grandparents' house on the Irish side. So they got to know my Irish grandson. I know my Irish grandmother very well. She was like 90 years, 98 years old. In fact, I was living in Utah. I moved to Utah in 93, and one week later she passed at 98 years of age. So one week into it, I was gone back in New Jersey for the funeral. Uh, so I certainly remember her. I did not remember my grandfather that much. But the family is squabbling over the family trust. It's good to be the Spanoses, huh? We'll see what happens there. That's your NFL right here at 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Swung on, bounce towards third. It's yes. over, Riley's headed down the line, and the ball game's over. Gene Segura has won it. First ball swinging. He singles to left, and the Phillies walk him off on opening day. 3-2 to two over the Atlanta Braves. 3-1 pitch, and Osmer strokes that one out to pretty deep right field. Smith going back at the wall. He leaps, and it's going to go. A home run for Eric Osmer. 3-1 San Diego. Here's the 2-2, and Bregman crushes one deep to left field, and you can't kiss it goodbye. Back-to-back checks. First Brantley, now Bregman. 5-1 to one Astros. Infield in, runners all around, nobody out. Three balls and a strike. The pitch to Fraley, and it's well outside. It's a walk-off walk on opening day 2021. Incredible. An amazing comeback for the Mariners. Watched a lot of baseball yesterday. There's games on ESPN+. Plus. I have direct, and they have the free baseball package for the first week of the season to entice you to buy it. So all those games were available for me to watch. So I'm flipping around like crazy going back and forth. Dodgers and the Rockies. Beautiful day. Gorgeous day in Denver. And that crazy game. I don't know if you saw that. But Bellinger hits what looks Well, it was a home run. <laughs> it was a home run. Yeah, Tapia goes back. And I think the wall in left field must have a little platform at the top. Because he catches it. But this glove smacks it and the ball goes out and goes over the fence so he's going into his home run shot meanwhile justin turner has rounded second base thinking the ball's caught then you got to go back touch second get back to first so he's got his head down and man it looked like a little who's on first routine there because he i don't know i guess he never saw uh turner or uh, bellinger and so he passes Bellinger going back to first, or Bellinger packs, passes Turner in his jog going to second. And the rule is a single in and out, and then they allow Turner to score. So instead of a two-run homer, it turns out to just be uh, a single for Bellinger. So if he comes up one run, one home run short of beating Barry Bonds, well, he can look at Justin Turner. Justin Turner had his head down. I don't think he ever saw him. Uh, so I don't know what you do there. Sort of a uh, an honest mistake, I guess you could say, uh, just the nature of the play. But it was a flukish play right there. And the Rockies win. Dodgers lose. Kershaw, you start to wonder if he gets done. He got pounded up pretty good. I don't, uh, I don't think he is where he used to be. So we'll, that'll be a developing story for the Dodgers going forward. He's a free agent after this season, too. He's pitched a lot of ball for the Dodgers, obviously. He's so 33 we'll now, isn't he? So. He's 33, uh, but I think it's like uh, you know, the 
the number of innings was, and all that stuff. I was going to say, he's been long. an absolute workhorse for a decade. Yeah, yeah, so he's given them a lot of great games. And is he's, is he slipping? Is he at the end? Madison Bumgarner is at the end. There's no question about that. He got pounded. The Padres, Padres won. Beat the Diamondbacks 8-7. to They're up 6-1. to uh, the Diamondbacks, I think in the fifth or sixth inning, hit four home runs. It set a record for most home runs in an inning on opening day and then for the uh, Diamondbacks as a franchise. And they went up uh, seven to six, but then the Padres scratched out a couple of home runs and won the game there. Neither pitcher, Hugh Darvish, got hit around a little bit too in that game. Uh, some of the stuff, we heard the Braves Losing to the Phillies, Gene Segura. Phillies got to make a move here. Uh, Noel is a great pitcher for Philadelphia. I don't know if their staff is good enough. Uh, they lost Arietta back to Chicago. The Cubs lost. How about that, man? 32 degrees that game was played in. It was sunny, uh, but <laughs> they lost that game 5-3 to three the pod, uh, to the Pirates. And then did you see Detroit? <laughs> well, Miggy Cabrera hit a home run, but did you see it because of the snow? Yeah. The snow's come. Good old Detroit. I got family who lives back there, or extended family, my wife's family. And, yeah, he hits one to right field. And it's not, I mean, it's like not quite white out, but it's coming down pretty doggone good. It was a good flurry. And he can't see it. He can't, So he slides into second base. He literally slides into second hey, Mickey, it was because a he doesn't know run, where the dude. ball is. <laughs> And then, and then he gets up and he looks and they tell him it's a home run. And so then he continues and he jogs around the other two bases for his home run. That was funny. I don't know why you're playing games. Nothing in, says opening uh, day like a snow flurry. Yeah, in Detroit of all places. I mean, you could barely get a good day's uh, weather in May, let alone April 1st. So they go down. Blue Jays beat the Yankees. That was the first game. Uh, and then the Mariners with a nice win. We just served that to walk off walk. Zach Greinke pitched six, six shutout innings. He's a guy I thought was hanging on. The Angels beat the Athletics uh, as Mike Trout. or did I, White Sox. Beat the White Sox, excuse me. I knew it as soon as I said that because I was watching that game too. Uh, Mike Trout with a tie, game-tying single. And Otani scored the winning run. Now, I was watching that game, too. It was a foul ball, but they said the exit velocity by Mike Trout was 112 miles an hour. Man, is a fa- he got around on it so fast. It's a fastball, and he just tagged it, but it was foul. And he actually ended up striking out on that particular bat. But he's a fun player to watch. The Cardinals just pounded the Reds. Goldschmidt and Aaron, Aaron, uh, Aaron Otto. Combined for six hits. I mean, Goldschmidt had four of them. Those two, those two guys anchoring first and third are big time studs. A lot of baseball. It's opening day. We won't break it down as much as we did. But since it was opening day, I was, I was having fun with it. Nationals continue to have some COVID issues. I don't think they're playing today against the Mets. We'll see if they can get out on the field tomorrow. What is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There is no job. Too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up right around the corner here when we come back, we'll have David Locke. You know him as the play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz, brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. And then at 8.30, I said uh, Ken Pomeroy. In the 905, we'll talk to the Bulls play-by-play. Adam Amin, we'll see what they got, what he has to say. Bulls are, they've got a couple of decent players, but they're certainly in a rebuilding stage. Stay with us. It's all coming up next, 97.5, Troll Lady of the Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Sam Amick of The Athletic. Not to take the spotlight off the Jazz, but I think they're sharing that spotlight with the Nuggets. Those two organizations have been on somewhat similar tracks. You know, they have incredibly unique talents as the centerpiece of what they do at the center spot with Gobert and Jokic. They've got wings, Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray, that are wildly talented, but kind of face some skepticism about those playoff moments when that little hesitation when it matters most could be the difference between a win and a loss. And Denver and Utah have kind of had similar stories there, but the Jazz 
had to come out of what happened last year and seemingly be stronger and better as a team is really impressive stuff. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O Tires, the team you trust on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back in just a little bit after 7.30 on this Friday, April 2nd. DJ is off today. He'll be back with us on Monday. Right now we got David Locke. David Locke's weekly interview is brought to you by the uh, Murdoch Auto Team, as it always is. Mr. Locke, how the heck are you? Good morning. I'm good. I'm so glad to know that you were not on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City and that you're not getting arrested. Makes me very happy. I can't guarantee you that I won't get arrested, but I can pretty much guarantee you that I will never be on the Housewives of Salt Lake yeah. City. <laughs> Is this um, who's who's his who's his, her husband? Uh, Sharif Shaw. You're speaking of uh, mm. yeah, yeah. Sharif Shaw's I know, wife I know. got arrested on some fraud charges, and she uh, married to Sharif. He's obviously the cornerbacks coach. At Utah, great speaker. Love to hear him speak. Uh, has L.A. roots. Played at Dorsey, which is uh, over there in uh, Los Angeles yeah. area. And then also too, Dave Rose's brother and uh, second wife are on that show. I don't oh. know if you knew that. Are they involved in this whole? I'm not real well versed on this whole thing. I was really just reading about it like five minutes uh, ago. Like the Skype call that they either. couldn't, the Skype call they couldn't get off because too many people got on it for the arraignment yesterday. It's like, like the great pandemic. Like, I don't know. It's kind of to me. It's like the confluence of, and I, I know this is serious for some people in our community, evidently. So, but um, it is really the confluence of like pandemic, America obsessed with bizarre things, and social networking all converging in one time. So that a judge can't. So I don't know if you read this, but I guess they had like some arraignment or something yesterday. But they have to do it by Skype because of the pandemic. Then, because it's Real Housewives and Bravo, like the world somehow figured out where it was and got on it. Maybe it's open to the public for the media, and they all got on it. And then the woman who's getting arrested got somehow got knocked off. But there were too many people in the Skype, so she couldn't actually get back on to be arraigned. Wow. It's like it's like too good to be true. Nope. I, I have to admit my television viewing I'd say it's probably ninety, ninety five percent sports. Yeah, I'm kinda of there with you. Like people always ask me like what shows are you watching? I'm like the NBA. Yeah. Like, right. Watched, watched I watched Denver Clippers for a while and I watched yep. yesterday's Chicago Phoenix game. Phoenix won again. That really, you know, bummed me out. Like, the first time I watched it, Phoenix won. The second time I watched it, Phoenix won. Oh, well. Well, they played the Hawks and the Bulls this week, and the Jazz right. have the Bulls, uh, obviously, tonight. Uh, I mean, the Levine has come on. Uh, they made the trade with uh, Vucevic. They're the center for Orlando, who's a nice player, played at SC, so I've watched him play for a number of years. And I believe Donovan is a decent coach at the NBA level. Uh, but right now, I do not expect them to win. And I think the Jazz, the next two games, I, mean, I, I expect them to win. I don't, I don't really think there's uh, any, any doubt about it that they, they win both of these ball games. How about you? Um, I mean, I'm still probably in the school of, like, you just never know. Um, but I right, understand I'll buy I that. Be, yeah, they're heavily favored in both games. Um, Vucevic is really a fascinating player. So, you know, we're all watching. For those of us that are junkies, we're all watching, and you're trying to figure out, like, just the really fundamental, easy question of, like, well, does he help you win? Like, he puts up really good numbers, and he's really quite a good player, and he's hard to guard. And, you know, I always think there's two factors when I look at an NBA player and try to evaluate him. And one is the Gordy Chiesa quote. Like, like, what about him makes you say, oh, beep? Like, you know, he always talks about in the draft, but also, like, when you're scouting for him in a game, what makes you go, oh, beep, right? Like, so Kyle Korver, like, was really obvious. Like, it's the way he, the way he shoots, you got, oh, beep. So, Vukovic obviously has some, oh, beep factor. Like, he's hard to prepare for. He's bringing the defense out. He plays. He can really score it. But, like, does he help you win? Does he help his teammates get better? He's a pretty fascinating case because – He's put up these really good numbers. It's always been on a bad team. It's always been somewhat understandable that it's a bad team. 
But, uh, you know, but on the other end, like Aaron Gordon gets traded and seems like a really nice piece and Evan Fournier gets traded and everyone gets excited. And they've, and so like, is there, I don't know. I've just never really been quite sure. Like I understand he's a good player and he puts up good numbers. And he's, so he's capable of putting up numbers. And right now it's really interesting because he goes to Chicago and obviously they have to figure it out, but they haven't figured it out in the first few games. They got blown out, I think by Sacramento, they lost to the Lakers or something. They lost to the Suns, and simultaneously Orlando is actually winning games. Like Orlando got rid of Aaron Gordon, Evan Fournier, and Nikola Vukovic. And now all of a sudden they're winning games. Like it's a really strange kind of thing to look at. I'm going to be very curious to see how um, Chicago does over, over the next little period of time. Zach Levine's been marvelous this year. He's as efficient and productive and positively impactful as any offensive player in the whole NBA. He's on the injured list today, so we'll see whether he plays. Um, but he's real. I mean, he's really great. He has, he has the whole OS factor. His defense is, leads a little to be desired. And so he actually kind of fits into the same kind of grouping of players that, um, do they, you know, do they help you? There's so very few PK like that's, I think really the story is so you're Chicago and you're a new GM and you've got Levine, his contracts coming up in a year and you got to decide, like we do a full rebuild. He's likely to leave in free agency. And then, and then we've lost everything or do we add this player and we give up two first round draft picks, but like how many players are there in the NBA that actually really impact the outcome of a debt game on a given night, like at a pretty dramatic level night in and night out. There just aren't that many. You know, that voice He's David Locke. He's probably the most famous voice we have on the Salt Lake city, Utah airwaves. And that's interesting. You say that about the bulls and the departing guys from the magic because that's exactly the way I felt about Aaron Gordon, watching him. He just played one year down in Tucson in the Pac-10, and then he's gone. I guess maybe it was Pac-12 by then. And so then he goes off. He's got all sorts of athletic ability, but he wasn't really helping them win. But yet now in Denver, I think he's a missing piece that they exactly what exactly what they needed because Millsaps at the end of the line, they slide him into the starting lineup, and I think they're like three and zero, four and zero maybe since he got there. I think from that perspective, sort of like Hornacek back when when the Jazz picked him up, it was you know he wasn't necessarily maybe a great individual player, but as far as a piece of the puzzle, it looks like I'm not following the Nuggets day to day the way we do the Jazz, but from a distance I'm certainly paying attention to them, and it looks like he's that type of player that you talk that you speak about there departing the the lineups for the Magic, and we'll see what they do in Boston and Chicago with those trades. But for Gordon, you think that he's an excellent fit as far as what Denver is looking for and elevates Denver's possibilities? So I've got kind of three takes on this. Uh, So let me try to see if I can be concise. That would be a first. And then let me see if I can make sense out of it. So the first thing in regards to the trade of Aaron Gordon to Orlando He's filling a void. I think that's the biggest thing that people miss on trade deadline is when they talk about acquiring talent and who got what. Right, right. You know, like you go back to the Lakers when they grabbed Pau Gasol. He replaced Kwame Brown, who at the time was the worst starting power forward in all of the NBA. So then they got, not only did they go, they went from worst to best. Paul Millsap and Jamichael Green, combination of power forward, was about 25th, 26th, 27th on the list of power forward of what they were giving their team right now. So he's filling a void, um, which is a huge step up for Denver. Two, um, you know, if Aaron Gordon is willing to be a complimentary piece rather than a star, right? So he moves past that I was the fourth pick of an NBA draft and I've gotten a huge salary and I have to be the man because he's just never shown to have the skills to do that and is willing to be a complimentary piece to Jokic and Murray and Porter, then he's pretty fabulous because they were, I watched them last night. They're really long, really, really long. Um, And he adds to that. The third thing on this though is I think Denver's been a title contender the whole time. Like I'm not a guy to, I'm not allowed to gamble on the NBA and I'm not a gambler anyway. Um, but like, I've been looking at the lines for championships with pretty regularity, like wondering why is Denver, like I think Denver and Utah have the same odds to win a championship. Like I would put them, if I was a gambling person, I would put them into the exact same. The jazz are like plus 600 and Denver's like plus 2200. Like, I don't get it. I don't know what, why everyone's like, I think they're fabulous. They have the MVP. They've been a little up and down this season, but it's a weird year. 
And I think that they're, we're a title contender, top four team, five team in the Western Conference this whole time. Um, and I would probably put them equal to the Clippers as a title contender, equal to the Jazz as a title contender. And so they added Aaron Gordon, and they're still a title contender. The other thing is right now is that their schedule is crazy soft. They're going to win probably, I think I wrote it down the day of the trade deadline, they're going to win 13 of 15, and everyone's going to think it's because of the trade. They're going to win 13 of 15 because they're good. And I don't know that it's because of the Aaron Gordon trade, right? So last night was actually probably not one of the 13 and 15s. Let me take it back. They're going to win 14 to 15. And last night was a really impressive win. And they looked every bit as big as the Clippers. And the Clippers didn't have Serge Ibaka last night, but the Clippers are mammoth. And they looked every bit as big as them. So, I, 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 you know, it's a big jump in the right direction for them. I mean, they've got Murray, who's 6'3", Barton, who's like 6'5", Porter, who's 6'11", 6'10", Aaron Gordon, who's 6'8", 6'9", and Jokic at 7 feet. That is just a big, big lineup. I mean, if you think about us, we're starting 6'1", 6'1", 6'4", 6'7", 6'6", 6'8", and 7 feet. Like, we're, we're going to be dramatically smaller than them at every position. All right, well, after 32 games, though, they're only 17 and 15. So what do you expect the odds to be at that point? Yeah, I get, Yeah, I just think they're great. I mean, I think they're really, like, I think they're one of the elite teams in the league, and I just haven't been bothered by the way they're playing this year at all. So, um, you know, Jamal Murray started the year funky. They had some injuries. Paul Millsap was clearly a void that they've now filled. Um, Michael Porter Jr. missed the first um, they had all sorts of internal issues with integrating Michael Porter onto the team. Um, and then Michael Porter got COVID or was on the COVID protocol, but I think he actually had COVID. Then he had a hard time coming back from it. So they just went through a lot this year. Um, I do think, you know, I don't mean this to diminish what we're doing. What we're doing is really incredible. We're one of the like 12 best regular season teams in the history of the NBA. Like it's amazing what we're doing. I do think that there's some level where we're going to see that regular season this year has maybe less correlation to playoffs than usual it's just you know there's a lot going on this year um so we'll see so you've got denver finishing maybe as high as second uh, i think they'll make a run at it but i think phoenix is probably i think one two i feel like in the nba right now and the that one two is set so it's utah or phoenix um Phoenix got a really soft schedule coming up right here, and then at the end of April they go east and they play a four-game stretch against, or five, four or five-game stretch against. I think they play like Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, New York on a four-game stretch, and then they come and then they have a in Boston. That's their five-game East Coast road trip. Like if they come out of that at three and two, they're still in play, and then they play us the next night, or maybe the Clippers and then us the next night at home. So, I think by April one. Uh, we'll probably know, or excuse me, May 1, we'll know where Phoenix is. Um, but I think that Jazz and Phoenix are 1-2. I think Clippers, Denver, Portland are 3-4-5. Is that right? And then the only question is whether the Dallas Mavericks can catch the Lakers for the playing game, which I think is unlikely. Um, but I think the Lakers end up at 6. Uh, Dallas is at seven, and then it's a combination of Memphis, Golden State, San Antonio. I keep waiting for New Orleans, to, but for the fifth straight year, they just continue to lose. Yeah. So the situation with Donovan Mitchell, is this a one-shot deal, or is it going to linger? Uh, way out of my pay grade. That's all you got to say? I mean... I don't know why he missed the game. I can put two and two together. If that's the case, that is dealing with a anxiety issue, and I don't know anything about that. Like that's just like I can talk to you about why Donovan's gotten so good with off the pick and roll and how he's playing with ease, and why well, the game looks more comfortable to him, and how we're seeing a natural progression in the fourth fourth year of his year, and how Mike Wells at halftime made a fascinating point to us about the amount of information he's able to take in right now from different sources and not have it impact his game. But I can't tell you a darn thing about that. So they always have Wells on the halftime thing. Is that correct? That is correct. We had Vince Lagarza so, for a little while. He did a great job when Wellesley was out for a little bit, but Wells has been kind of is the halftime staple. It's really a, it's pretty awesome. Like, I don't know. Um, TV and radio are different, and 
Um, but I mean, on our radio broadcast, what Mike Wells gives us at halftime is pretty incredible stuff. Like for, if you're a fan of a team and, you know, junkie and really love the game and want to know what's going on, you know, I would tell you that there's two times in our radio broadcast you should listen every night. One is right before tip-off when Ron Boone gives the shoot-around report, and the other time is Mike Wells at halftime. Then you can go listen to Bowler and Harp and Thurl the rest of the time if you want to because you avoid me, and that's probably good for you. But those two segments on our radio are, are really incredible because of the insight Booner has and connections he still has to know what the game plan is every night. And then Wells just gives it, like, building off of that, we, Wells really just gives us amazing detail of what – you know, adjustments they're making and where what they're doing. It's 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 great. I love it. Does he travel with the team? He does. Okay, yeah, he because not, I... he did not during the bubble last year for some family purpose reasons. So he right, actually joined right. us last year in the fourth quarter of games, which was even more amazing. Right? right, to have like an assistant coach who basically knows the whole game plan on the air with yeah. you while you're good. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember. And then I've seen him. He does uh, both on this year, so I was wondering. He's very good, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I usually try to flick over, and then the, uh, Kristen interviews him. I think there at halftime. I think she's the one who does it. And so, yeah, I'm always paying attention. I mean, the uh, truth is, that I just steal Kristen's questions. Nobody knows this. Oh, this is, that is what the truth. Okay. Well, we're on the same we're on the same Zoom. So KK goes first. But I just take her questions, and then I and then I, you know, so okay, that that's makes actually sense. the truth. Yeah, I didn't realize how that worked. So yeah, we're, we're on right. the same zoom. Well, we'll hear you on uh, the call tonight. I'm expecting two wins. I like next week's schedule a little bit with Dallas and Phoenix, uh, two playoff teams for sure. So that'll, those will be fun. And, and I agree with you. Every game is its own entity and it's not shocking that they could possibly lose, but obviously they're heavily favored to win both of these games. And I expect them to get to that point and then we'll roll in the next week and go from there. I mean, their focus night in and night out there, it's been pretty incredible. That Memphis win was, that was, well, that was really something. Be a team three times in five days and have all the stuff they've been through. Like, right. Uh, and and, there, and the one that gets me is like, I get really fr- frustrated as the play-by-play announcer. I shouldn't, but I do. Like when I know that they're lacking focus and when they're not executing the plan and like things like that. And they, that was not the case that night. There was very, very few mental lapses that night. Physical lapses, sure. They made you know you make a mistake and turn the ball over and drive the lane and get caught in the air and throw it back out. Those kind of things happen all the time. But you know, John Morant, they had a very clear game plan on him, and for the most part, they executed. He's just great. But you know, they had very clear things they were trying to do, and they did them well. All right, hey, we got to go. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. See you, bud. All right, that's David Locke. You can hear him obviously tonight as the Jazz get ready to take on the Chicago Bulls. At 7 o'clock, we will have the pregame show with Tim McComb and Jake Scott on the Zone Sports Network starting at 6 o'clock. Well, the Jazz got 16 games this month. What do you think their record's going to be? Stay with us. We'll get to that next. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Our hot takes are toast. Question of the day is brought to you by Jerry Siner Cadillac. Check out the bold new lineup at Jerry Siner Cadillac. It's definitely not your grandpa's Cadillac. How about that? Jerry Siner Cadillac in the market for Cadillac. You need to go to Jerry Siner for sure. Jazz have 16 games in the month of April. Tonight is the first one. What are they going to do in April? Now, Locke, do you buy that theory that uh, maybe this year's postseason won't be as reflective of uh, the regular season as it should be, as it normally is? Because it's funny, we make, I don't know we make fun of it, but we sort of take the regular season as a bunch, a slew of games that are somewhat meaningless, but then at the end of it, you got the standings, and it's usually the top one or two teams that represent the teams uh, from the respective conferences in the finals, right? 
So we sort of blow off the regular season, but at the same time, the standings, and I'd have to look and go back and check every single one of them, they're usually true. It's like uh, you don't normally get a sixth or seventh place team or sixth seed, even a five seed, that gets to the finals, the NBA finals. Maybe they can get into the conference finals, particularly if there's an upset along the way on the other side of the bracket. We saw that years back when the Jazz, uh, who was it, uh, Denver upset Seattle. Is that who it was? And so then the Jazz got Denver. And then also, too, didn't they benefit from uh, the situation where, uh, was it the Warriors beat Dallas? And the Jazz were on the other side and took advantage of that and got to, to, to didn't have to play the one seed, play yep. the seed lower than them. Yeah, Dallas got upset won. as the one seed. Yeah. So sometimes that can happen. I mean, but it's rare because I, we're just, I just recalled two times. It's not like it's happening all the time. So I don't know that I buy Locke's theory, to be honest. I think he has a tendency in all truthfulness to try to soften the blow if the Jazz should lose because he is fully invested, as Bronco would say. I don't have that emotional attachment whatsoever. I want him to win because it's fun. It's good for business. But – if they lose, they lose. It really doesn't affect me either way. If they win, they win. It doesn't affect me either way personally because I'm not, I don't have that connection. I don't know these guys. I don't want them to win so desperately. And I just I have no personal investment in any of their lives the way he does. So I think he has a tendency to try to Lou Holtz it and build up the other guy. And Denver should have just as much. The odds should be just the same between the Jazz and Denver as far as winning it all. Now, he may end up being right, but I see the Jazz. I mean, at this point, they got the best record in the league, man. And this year, the best record in the league doesn't really count as the best record in the league. Of all the years, the Jazz get it. They've only had it one other time. (laughs) And now, uh, or at least in the conference, that's really all you need to worry about for now uh, as far as that goes. And now it doesn't really count. I think it counts – just as much and it is a funky season to a degree I understand that but I think when you win all these ball games and you're putting the ball in the basket the way they do and shooting the way they do and and Rudy's defense is legitimate as I don't I don't care what the season circumstances are around the season Rudy's ability to defend the basket and move around and do what he does and alter shots and chain shots and block shots and prevent shots I think that's legitimate as it comes so with that in mind They've got 16 games in April. What do you think their record will be? Adam, 16-0, and 0, baby. I expect the Jazz to win every time they step on the floor. All right, two different things there, what Adam is saying. I do expect them to win every time they step on the floor. I do. That's where I'm at with this team, expecting them to win. I think they're that good. They've proven they're that good. I can't believe this year your record isn't what it's supposed to be and it's you are who your record is. This year, no. I mean, I understand uh, the Lakers, but, you know, the Lakers got their own issues that I don't think that it's compared to the Jazz. And if the Lakers are healthy, yes, they're going to be the favorite when they get to the final or the conference final, assuming that the, the two, whoever they're playing. They get there. I don't, maybe they don't get there. Uh, but I think they're going to be the favorite. But the Jazz, they haven't built this record on the strength of beating a watered-down Laker team. That doesn't really count. Lakers have their own issues, but that's irrespective of what the Jazz are doing. They're not playing the Lakers all the time, right? Now, uh, they do have the Lakers later on this month. Twice. They go to Los Angeles. It's on a uh, April 17th, so that's uh, two weeks from tomorrow. And then they're off on – that's a Saturday, and then they're off on the Sunday, and then they play them again on the Monday. Uh, I don't expect them to be full strength by then. So they can pick up a couple of wins of Jazz against a watered-down Laker team, fine. But they're not 36-11 and 11 because they've beaten a watered-down Laker team 33 times. So – no, I don't buy that. It's not true. They're not going to go 16-0, and zero, but at the same time, do you not expect them to win every time? 
or are you just uh, too much of a jazz fan? And it, that, I think that's how you can judge your fandom is how apprehensive you are, how nervous you are about these games. The more nervous you are, the more apprehensive you are. I believe it correlates to the more of a fan and the more your emotional investment. And I think all fans do this. They try to set themselves up to uh, soften the blow. Did you happen to see that Russell Westbrook thing with uh, Stephen A. Smith? And Smith calling him out because he's not winning. Yeah. And then Westbrook going on and saying, well, I'm a winner in life and all. To me, I think he should have just done what Donovan Mitchell did with Shaq. I. Yeah, don't give those guys life because then Smith comes back and that's exactly what they want. Believe me, I'm in this business. So then he comes back. What's his, his, his what's the name? Is it on first take or whatever their first show's take, name yeah. is? Yeah. So then he comes back with a response because Westbrook and Westbrook's wife puts out a long, uh, basically, response to Smith criticizing Westbrook for essentially just putting up numbers but not winning. And both Westbrook and his wife go at Smith. Well, then Smith turns around and goes back and has a rebuttal to the rebuttal. That's awesome. That's exactly what they want in this business. Westbrook should have just said, all right. <laughs> Hashtag content. Yeah, I mean, this is, that was a dream come true for those guys because now they, they said something, and then they can come back and they can give the story even more legs. But I also think the athlete, it's the cold uh, Malone story. This isn't going to ruin my summer. Like you're trying to set up that it doesn't hurt. It does hurt. Why not just say it? Yeah, I would. If I don't win a title, I'll be disappointed rather than throw the money at us. Yeah, you're making enormous amounts of money that your people, your family, by people, I mean your family, you never have to work if they don't want to. They'll never have financial worries. How must that be? I have no idea. Most of us have no idea. So in the game of life, and I've been saying this for 19 years, when it comes to pro sports, there are no losers because they're making money, and money is where it's at. And the ones who have it, they like to lecture you about it's not that big of a deal. Good for them. Uh, and, and you can find ways to be happy without all sorts of money. But uh, I, 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 I just don't understand why soften the blow. Just say, hey, like uh, I'm, I'm not doing TV anymore. I, I miss it. They had layoffs. I got caught up. I miss it. Why well, say, oh, well, I'm glad I don't have to do it. No. Be honest. Be honest here. And I think that's what the fans do. So they want to soften the blow by saying, eh, really not that good. I get it. You're a fan. You've got that emotional investment into your, into your team. 16 games. What is their record? I will tell you what I think their record will be. Stay with us. 97.5, 1280 The Zone.